A lot of us, when we were teenagers, would have killed to be in Jamie Fry's shoes. Jamie, who is the front man for No Ice and the Brooklyn What, grew up in New York, and he's been playing in bands here since he was about 15 years old. Now, if you were 15 years old and living in the suburbs, New York probably seemed like this place where musicians were cooler and better just by virtue of being in the city. But to hear Jamie tell it, well, it was a lot like being a teenage musician anywhere. We were not cool. We were not. We were just like dopey kids from Brooklyn. We were not mm-hmm. part of any sort of music scene. There was nothing in Brooklyn at the time for us to. There was metal and pop punk, and we were alternative rock, and uh, it was just dopey. I had a dopey Brooklyn childhood. I was not, you know, connected to a music scene. We used to hang out at my mom's house and on her porch and play music in her basement. We used to walk around Park Slope and walk around Prospect Park and walk around South Brooklyn and Coney Island and stuff like that. And it was not. So there wasn't. There wasn't the same thing to grab onto. Welcome back to Square Zeros. I am Derek Hawkins. I'm here with John Mann. In this episode, Jamie is going to tell us about some of the music he made as an adolescent. But first, we're going to bring you in on a new track from No Ice. This song is called Summer Bummer. Thank you. 
once again, that was Summer Bummer by No Ice featuring Jamie Fry, also of the Brooklyn What? Now, Jamie actually grew up in Brooklyn. His first band was called the Jesus Fish Evolution, and he started the interview by telling us about his first show. We, this place called Lemoore's in Bensonhurst, 63rd Street, and it was like a probably mob-owned rock club with vinyl seats, and then they also had, every once in a while, they would have on uh, dance night where, like, they would have, like, Russian kids would go, DJs or whatever. But, yeah, so there's, there, there, here was a club where it was, like, Italian-owned. Most of the clientele were, like, Russian and Hispanic, South Brooklyn kids, metal, punk, leather jackets, boots, long hair. There were some hair, hair metal holdovers. But this was kind of a classic club, though. The Ramones played there. Smashing Pumpkins played there. Jane's Addiction played there. Metallica played there. Anthrax, you know, like, uh, there are bands that are famous like Typo Negative and uh, Biohazard. Not that these are excellent bands, because they're not. But, they, you know, they went on to, to tour the world and stuff, coming from Lemur's Twisted Sister, you know. So, basically, there were these little sort of pockets, you know. And so, that's what we do, you know. I, I, we had a band, we finally, we didn't even sound good, but we finally had a set of songs, and the first thing I want to do was get on stage. That was just the first thing I wanted to do. So immediately I just emailed Lemoore's, and they would let anyone play. You, you would go there, they would give you paper tickets, and you have to go to your high school and sell them for like $8, and you get like $3 off the eight, and, uh, and then you show up and it's your show. And they, not, they didn't really, they were not, they were like running like a business. They were not music people necessarily. However, that business had allowed people like, you know, all these great bands to play there. So the first time I got on stage, I got on stage to like about 200 people, you know, because there was nothing else to do. I would go see bands I didn't even like at Lemoore's just, uh, just to, to do something. You know, there were just a million teenagers hanging out. So we played, my, we played our first bad show to like a packed room and that was like probably, you know, and I fell in love, you know. That's, I, you know, I was, that, was, it, that was it for me. Even though we fucking sucked, you know, we weren't really good. At least that first show we weren't. But because I pushed the band to, like, we should have, you know, we should have, like, studied our craft, but I just couldn't wait to get on stage. So we played this metal club. They would do these nights where they book about, like, eight or nine bands that would just play in a row. And the show would be, like, from 7 to, like, 1 a.m. or something like that. They would just book a million bands. And, uh... You know, so we played our first show. We played like five originals, and we played like a, we covered like Pearl Jam's Corduroy. We covered Everlong by the Foo Fighters. We played like Blitzkrieg Bop. You know, and I was, a, I was that was it for me. I was so you know we kept playing this Lemoore's place, and then a little later we got to play the um, the CB's Gallery, which was like next to CBGB's or whatever. But like I knew people who were musicians, but I didn't. You know, I wasn't part of the metal community. I wasn't part of, like, the pop-punk hardcore community. We are just a bunch of dopey kids. Like, we are just, like, best friends playing music, you know, uh, being kids. So there was no, there was not that much, like, really available to us, you know. We played in Coney Island, and uh, we played at Astor Levy Park. We get a But permit. you did manage to record an LP. Yeah, well, it, calling this an LP is very loose. There was a... <laughs> I, I I saw that I saw that on the I saw that on the track as uh, the um, which way is up LP I did not know that that was I I think that my friend Abe just put that in there I, we didn't really release this at all there was nothing to release there wasn't Bandcamp you know what I mean we had the, you know we had like a, we had a website that my friend made you know like the um, you know you have your website maybe but like yeah that that this recording was made when. Uh, I think it was like probably my senior year of high school. 
And there was a recording class. I went to a great high school. I went to Edward R. Murrow High School, which is on uh, Avenue L uh, in Brooklyn, in Midwood, Brooklyn. And uh, there was a there was a lot of music to, to you know. There's a big music department, and there was like electronic music class, and there was a studio class. And me and John from the Brooklyn one, we uh, we took the studio class. And then at the end, we we're like, can we just bring our band in here to record four songs? And the teacher was like, yes. And John pretty much ran it. And so we did this on our own. And I mean, they don't they don't sound good at all, but it's something. Well, let's uh, hear. Uh, let's let's hear. Should we do Yonk or maybe uh, or take that shit off your face, Marianne? Uh, I guess do. I think take that shit off your face, Marianne. This is this is like a, a piano. But this is the first song I wrote. With chords, the first song I ever wrote that had a chord progression. It's like um, it's a piano ballad about um, like sort of like a, making fun of like a like a goth girl, but I think it has its moments. Yeah, let's give it a listen. Okay, I haven't listened to this in a long time. You guys are having me blush in the here in the studio. Pentagrams and dragon cloaks are all just a tremendous hope. The 
sun is shining brightly and it's calling your name. So take that shit off your face, Mary Ann. It's too beautiful a day to be sad. Take that shit off your face, Mary Ann. You're too beautiful a girl. So you recorded "Take That Shit Off Your Face," Marianne, in your in your high school, yeah, in your yeah. high school music class, mm-hmm. and your and your teacher was cool enough to let you record a song. Yeah, called, Mr. Toriello was awesome. Take yeah. that shit off your face, Marianne. Yeah, no, he was cool. Yeah, yeah. He made me change, like, he was like, please change the word, but I didn't, because they wanted me to enter, they wanted us to enter this uh, songwriting competition, it was like, but you can't have the shit, Jamie, you can't have the shit, I was like, nah, come on, so he picked a different You're like, song. I gotta have the shit, yeah. the shit's everything. Uh, yeah, I've like, uh, I've been cussing in my songs since day one, I love, I love to curse and say bad things. <laughs> so after playing with the Jesus Fish Evolution for some time, Jamie realized that he could pretty much book any show he wanted at Lemoore's, and he took that as license to get as weird and creative with it as he saw fit. He started by forming a band called the Delaware Stringasm, and then moved on to some other bands. Several of the members of his current band, the Brooklyn What, ended up together with him in a band called the Banana Milkshakes. At that time, preceding the indie rock wave, one of the cool things going on in New York was anti-folk, and Moldy Peaches, uh, Adam Green, Kimmy Dawson, Jeffrey Lewis, etc., uh, you know, so Moldy Peaches were kind of like the New York band to dig at the moment. And he was really into them and I was into them too. So I think we kind of got on a trip of making kind of like funny, like sort of twee, lo-fi tunes. And we wrote some tunes together and we tried to start this band called the Banana Milkshake. Kind of like knowing that it was just like a random collection of people, including a couple of guys who'd be in Brooklyn Watt. Um, so we did. And then, but these were like... Like that, that you know, high school recording is weird. But like this was like, I felt like um, I was making some creative strides. I was writing the songs that would become. It was more become. purposefully weird. Yeah, it was. It was more like uh, it. It made more sense, you know, right. in a way. And like I was like sort of starting to you know, feel what was gonna come after. But well, take us there, man. Give us yeah, a, what, um, what should we listen to? Uh, let's uh. Let's hear here. Let's play. Uh, there's only two. There are only two songs. Uh, play. We are the banana milkshake. That's a pretty good song. Theme it's song? a theme song. Yeah, it's a cute song. Shut up. We are the banana milkshake. We are the banana milkshake. We're gonna have a good time together. No matter what the weather We are the banana milkshakes We are the banana milkshakes We're gonna play rock and roll for you Just the way that you want us to Yeah Yeah 
banana milkshakes. That was sweet. Banana milk. We had the banana milkshakes. So it was fucking rad, man. Yeah, it was a fun. T- it was a fun yeah. time. It was definitely that was like sort of the last thing that happened before the Brooklyn What started was doing these like lo-fi recordings or whatever. But we would, you know, it was like the kind of thing like recording in a room. But uh, I, I just I wasn't really playing shows. And um, my best friends who I wanted to start the band with, uh, three of the, these guys were away at college or whatever, but I was writing all these songs. And when they come in, we work a little bit, a little piece. And I've sort of got this group together of guys, mostly who I went to high school with, to do the songs. And then they, you know, they had songs. And uh, and then we started just like the Brooklyn band that we, you know, sort of I had always wanted to. And, you know, that's that's after that is when I started playing. And I've been playing shows all the time since since then, pretty much. It was like how I got on, you know. I just wanted any. I wanted to do anything to get back on stage. And it worked. It worked. Yeah. I mean, now I, I can't. Now I have plenty, plenty of shit to do. <laughs> so that brings us a lot closer to present. Uh, the Brooklyn What was kind of the band that Jamie had always wanted to be in growing up, and he had it. And the Brooklyn What was born of a lot of the same frustrations that inspire kids everywhere to start punk bands. Except again, you got to remember, you know, Jamie's growing up in Brooklyn. So he's starting this band in the mid 2000s at what's really a transformative period for Brooklyn music. How does it feel having being a native New Yorker? How does it feel to have watched uh, the music scene change and evolve over the past 15 years as an insider, like as a not not just a New Yorker, but a musician who's been in bands in New York that entire time? Well, it's interesting uh, because the the inclusive nature of music scenes really, especially when you're younger and especially when I was younger and there was um, not an internet community and, uh, you know, a, a self-awareness. Because, uh, yeah, the, the, you know, in high school, there's a metal club, Lemours, so I played my first five or six shows. Uh, I opened for Mountain, who do Mississippi Queen. Oh, right I opened, <laughs> I opened for the fake Dead Kennedys with uh, the child actor Brandon Cruz on vocals. So you had you had the you know the metal club. There's a place called the Temple, which is the basement of a Jewish temple in Bensonhurst, where like uh, pop punk, hardcore, and emo bands played. And then in Manhattan, you had ABC No Rio, which is a place that I was too terrified to go to when I was in high school because I thought that punk kids would make fun of me. I did not think I was cool enough to go to ABC No Rio, so I didn't like. I didn't go get that at that time, and uh, I used to go to ska shows because people were nice at ska shows. And you day anyway, even though I, I thought ska sucked, and then now I like ska. But like uh, that was like an inviting thing to me when I was in college. Like pretty much right when I started college, I went to the Pratt Institute in Bed Stuy, and um, that was right as Williamsburg was kind of happening. The first time I went to Williamsburg. Uh, other than if my parents drove me there, I had a friend who um, lived there like a, and when we were children. But um, as a teenager, I, I tried to go see Leftover Crack at uh, North Six, the old North Six Club, and uh, it took so long to get from Kensington to Williamsburg. And this was just the F to the G train, which is very uh, common trip right now. But uh, <laughs> it took about 90 minutes uh, to go to Williamsburg. And by the time we got there, the cops had came and shut down leftover cracks. So I was like, I'm just in this fucking neighborhood, you know. And then it happened, and then the whole thing happened. And I was really adverse to it um, because uh, that guy Todd P went on MTV. They did a little expose, like, about, um, you know, like when, when so the yeah, yeah, yeahs were coming out and uh, TV on the radio and Devon Drabonhart and all this stuff, which is all fine and good, all well and good. But, you know, 
uh, that guy Todd P went on um, MTV and said that there was no music in Brooklyn until him and his peers arrived, and uh, and that they had they had basically begun the new uh, wave of Brooklyn musicians. And as a native, uh, I was like really reactionary to them. In fact, the first track on the first Brooklyn Watt record is I Don't Want to Go to Williamsburg. And I just talk about like, I don't want to go to North Six. I don't want to get earwax and all that. So I really, I, I don't know. I was like really sticking with my like Brooklyn guns at the time. And that was like what the, that was the band. Same time, uh, the, um, the Barclay Center was being, you know, the Atlantic Yards project, which is the Barclay Center and the surrounding uh, sort of like, you know, mega conglomerate of uh, bullshit that's over there. Um, that was happening, and I was an activist against that, and uh, the band as well, and uh, Evan O'Donnell is one of the guitar players. Him and I were both kind of active against that, so it's like we were, you know, I was like, I was 18 years old, I'd started college, I fucking hated it. Um, and then all, you know, here comes indie rock, and not, this is not what, not our, our scene, it was very different, it seemed very different back then, it seemed like, um, it just seemed like sort of like bourgeois, and it seemed, yeah, you know, yeah, it was, yeah, it was not like I was like it, was, it did not relate to me, I guess, and it did not seem I was not invited, you know what I mean? It seemed like a sort of I don't know, there was just a snobby air about it, and like it wasn't rock and roll, and I kind of wanted rock and roll at that time in my life. I wanted there to be some something happening like that, and when we started that, you know, when we started the band, it was like that. So we. Uh, we felt very adverse, you know, and then this, since the scene has, has definitely changed and sort of like matured, but I, I was also just being, a, I was being very angry, but I think I had some, some reason for that. Uh, I'd like to actually hear, I don't want to go to Williamsburg. I know that's not what we're talking yeah, play about, it. but no, 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 play the song. It's cool. <laughs> I really think that is like a, an awesome insight. Into this was a song that, time. this was a song that, um, this is maybe the first song I wrote that like a lot of people heard that a lot of people liked. Awesome. Uh, so yeah, Brooklyn. See. What I first might track. I might make some faces while it plays. <laughs> 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 Fucking hold steady. 
wanna do fit in with the pretty people who are smart and thin And you can't really see to find a size of fits And you take your cover living under your skin And all the girls that you never see with And all the boys that you never look as good And all the jobs that you never gonna get All you people just make me wanna spit I don't wanna go to Williams I don't wanna talk about the future I don't wanna get a personal website I don't wanna go to Will Yacht Fight! Yeah, we're pretty angry. Pretty, yeah, I, probably, I, yeah tell, I probably man. went there, I was like 19 or something. It was a real fucking angry time and like uh, people, I don't know. Maybe it was right, you know, about Williamsburg. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I like, it, we, we, we tried to play in South Brooklyn. There was nowhere to play. We, we, we went out to Williamsburg. We played the clubs in Williamsburg, you know. We used to do residency at a trash bar called Sorry Ma, where we used to have a monthly show where we'd pack it out. There was an open bar. We got fucking drunk. Uh, Brooklyn Watt would play and just rip it up. And uh, so we ended up playing in Williamsburg. So we had to, you know, we had to... We had to go out and meet other bands when we started. We didn't know any bands. So Williamsburg had all these bands or whatever. But, yeah, I mean, gentrification works like that. It's like anywhere the bohemians are, it's uh, the, you know, the realtors and the yuppies and the strollers will follow. And uh, I never even, like, got that. I, I, I hang out in Williamsburg sometimes. Uh, but in terms of 285 Kent closing and Glasslands and DBA, it's like, yeah, that was going to happen. That was going to happen because, you know, your, your bohemian hellhole is someone else's bourgeois paradise in the future. You know, that's just how it works. And, uh, and Williamsburg's been kind of dead. I mean, I, I hang out at the gutter and I'll play the gutter. The gutter is a cool place. It's not a DIY venue. It's a cool place. Much more is a DIY venue. If these people stick it out, there'll still be music in the neighborhood, you know. But it's been, that story has been over a long time for me, for Williamsburg. I mean, I moved to Bushwick a year ago. And the analogy, I probably wrote this in something else, but the analogy I have for Bushwick is, like, imagining, like, New York City is, like, a, a vagina, and there's, like, one little area of moisture that, like, is culture, and, like, unfortunately, it has to be here. You know, this is the one wet spot <laughs> left on the dry vagina of New York City. I don't know. I, I always make music with my friends. Uh, I've never had, I've never, like, been professionalized in the way that I had to work with somebody that I wasn't also going to hang out with. The Brooklyn Watt guys are like my brothers. Like, we, we grew up together, you know. So I, um, I that's something that, is, to me, is like, that's a great rock and roll band to me. It's like, it's like a bunch of friends making music. And I've always liked pop songwriting. I've always, you know, even from when I wrote that the song about the goth girl, it's like I've always been chasing writing great pop songs that's always what appealed to me i mean even even before i liked rock and roll i grew up watching old movies and i've loved jazz standards my entire life i've loved gershwin cole porter type songwriting my entire life and i um so it's like that and that's a sort of forever dream to chase and i will definitely keep chasing that and you know whatever the sort of format is it doesn't really matter but like there's you know i, I like i just i just want i want what i don't get which is honesty and grit and like genuine, genuine emotions. Not like I'm fucking sick of cool. I'm sick of people. I'm sick of deadpan. I'm sick of 
cool. I want real and I want honest. You know what I mean? So I'm going to try and do it. If other people do it, cool. People like what I do, cool. But I don't know how I'm not, I can't put on a fucking face for anybody. You know what I mean? That's, I mean, these are geeky. Like I, I'm listening to this stuff. It's like this is geeky stuff. But at least I was being real to who I was at the time. I wasn't, you know, and I think that's rock and roll. Jamie Fry, Square Zeros. God, that was awesome. Yeah. Dropping some knowledge on us. Yeah, coming in to tell us what rock and roll is. Yeah. We've had a lot of people, I mean, you know, a lot of our guests are playing in Brooklyn right now, but this might be the first person we've had who's actually from Brooklyn. It was like an interesting kind of window into that world. I think so. Or if, if nothing else, I think Jamie might win the award for most Brooklyn of uh, <laughs> any, anybody we've had on the show. You're, you are Square Zeros' official lia- liaison to uh, the borough. I think he might hate being the most Brooklyn person on this blog. Aye, but at least he's not the most Williamsburg. There you go. Rock and roll. Thanks, Jamie. Thank you.